Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to On The Bench. I am Brendan Sinone, and I'm wearing my commitment tank top today. You guys like that? It's to celebrate. Celebrate good news. It would have yeah. been a tank top anyways, right? Yeah. No, I went, you know, a big boy <laughs> things today. I went to Target. I bought one t-shirt and one tank top, so I'm diversifying my, uh, diversifying my portfolio when it comes to clothing. Anyways, no one cares about what I'm wearing. Should, nope. I, should I apologize up front that we're using new technology today and seeing how it goes? Uh, it may be a little different, both recording. Get it out of your system so I you apologize. can move on. I apologize. It, it may not be as, as clean as normal, but it's a work in progress. All right. So you're hearing Chris Nee on one end, uh, Joshua Newberg. They're joining me today to talk about yep. a lot of good news in the world of FSU recruiting, FSU in general. This is uh, what we've been calling the the ebbs and flows. I think this is the flow time of, of things right now. And a few hours ago, Bryson Estes, the three-star center from Georgia. I guess he could be a, a guard or a tackle, and, and that's the appeal. Commits to Florida State. Christopher, you had a one-on-one with him. I uh, had it ready to go when he committed. I had the interview. Please fill us in on, on Bryson Estes and, and exactly what FSU is is getting in that young man. Well, two weeks ago, he named a top five, including FSU. Mizzou was in that. Penn State was in that. There were a couple of others. But it was pretty clear at that time two weeks ago that FSU was in the driver's seat. Uh, he called Coach Atkins on Sunday evening, told him he was ready to go. They made it official on Tuesday morning. I believe he spoke to Norvell this morning. He did not talk to him on Sunday when I talked to Bryson. Bryson basically said it was time. With the whole recruiting situation as it is, it didn't work for him to keep waiting. He does want to take more visits. There were more places he wanted to see. He does believe more offers are likely to come. But it just simply didn't make sense with the possibility of everything being pushed back to September for him to wait any longer because he did believe FSU was the right place. He likes that's close to home. He really likes Coach Norvell. He reminds him of his high school coach. He also thinks highly of Coach Atkins and believes Coach Atkins can tap into him and get the best out of him. A couple of things I, I came away from that interview, you know, knowing from talking to Bryson about the situation was. Uh, you know, some people were like, are him and Jake Slaughter the same guy? No, I think Slaughter is more a guy they view as a center who is capable of playing guard. I think with Bryson's case, it's more he's a guard who's capable of playing tackle. He agrees with that sentiment. He believes that guard is his best spot, which I think everybody and myself included believe that's the case. But he believes he's also athletic enough to swing it at tackle if needed. He wanted to stick an offensive lineman at guard? Is that, is that, no, no, he is a guard who can play tackle. <laughs> I just want that to be clear. For yeah, he plays I think a lot Jake of tackle Slaughter is a center in his highlight film. Yeah, right tackle yeah. mostly. But I don't see him playing tackle at Florida State. So it, it's a good get. I like him. I'll let you do a little bit more scouting for it. But I think he's a kid who's smart, sharp, has an edge. Uh, he's aggressive. He enjoys playing the game, which is always important at a position where you're kind of going to get beat up, especially in your early years in the college game. 
And yeah, I, I think it's good for FSU to kind of get that ball rolling with a guy who is capable of maybe lending some help at the tackle position. But obviously, I still hope they land some true tackles, guys who are naturally just more fitting to that position. Like Josh mentioned, he was mostly at tackle in his highlight film and, and where he played this past season in high school. But when you look at his frame, he's six foot three. I think we have him listed like at 295 right now. Mm-hmm. Probably more of a guard build. But, but the things that he does well, and that's one, he has a mean streak. You see that right away on the highlights. He's punishing people. He likes to finish blocks. So that portends to being kind of a road grader, more of an interior offensive lineman. He hits and he climbs exceptionally well, very athletic, moves well in space. Uh, he locates smaller defensive backs or linebackers at the second level like pretty pretty efficiently. Uh, and again, that kind of points to him being more of an interior lineman who can, who can be a guard. We, we don't really know if he's a good pass blocker simply because they didn't do that a whole lot at, at his high school. So again, probably not tackle in that sense. You feel more confident at least what he is as a guard. I, I like to take as well, Chris. I think he's really solid. There's a, a high floor for Bryson and some upside as well, too. The variable is we don't know. He's at a excuse me, a pretty small classification at the prep level in Georgia. He's beaten up a lot of guys who are you know, 100 pounds less than him. So it remains to be seen how much of an impact he make early. But I, I like to take quite a bit. Josh, I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line in general, where FSU goes from here. You guys kind of implied you'd like to see some more pure tackle types. Is that kind of what the focus is moving forward with the line? Yeah, Florida State likes Rod Orr out of Alabama, Cameron Ball out of Georgia, Jacoby Jackson out of Texas. I think they still will recruit Gardner Langlo, who we know committed to Auburn. Um, there's some, you know, there's some guys on that are committed to other programs at FSU will give some time to, and then double back on once the season comes around. Um, it's also vitally important. You know, we talk a lot about where Estes is going to play. It's also vitally important to hold on to Jake Slaughter. Uh, there's a lot of rumors out there having gotten the UF offer during the dead period that once the dead period opens up, Slaughter is going to take a visit there. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, um, some are optimistic that he's going to flip to UF. Now, if Slaughter does flip to UF, there's no question Estes becomes the center in this class. You know, he's an interior guy, but without Slaughter, he's not going to be a guard. He's probably going to be a center. Um, But moving forward, FSU still needs to attack the tackle position. Um, The names that I gave are are the most likely at this point. I think, obviously, the uncommitted guys like Arad or Cameron Ball or Jacoby Jackson are the most likely. The value One. of Estes to me is that he could play multiple positions. So if you mm-hmm. do lose slaughter, if you miss on a offensive tackle, like there's not this uh, as much uh, of an emphasis on having to go ahead and get that. But, but I didn't want to get both your guys thoughts and sorry, cause actually do you want to jump in on what you were saying on Estes before I move on? Well, I was just going to say, Josh mentioned slaughter slaughter actually effectively recruited Bryce and FSU. So mm-hmm. I think the whole him jumping ship thing, it could certainly happen. There's some fandom of UF there. Obviously, Ocala is very close to Gainesville. There's all those reasons. But I don't think he's like, you know, one foot out the door completely gone, like some people are trying to make it out to be. Is it something to be concerned about? Certainly. There's so many reasons why. Is it something that I think is a certainty to happen? No, I don't. But he was, he's a guy that recruited Bryson a good bit. Bryson's best relationship with a current commitment to FSU is certainly Jake Slaughter. So how many more offensive linemen do we think FSU can take in this class? All of them. As many as they can. <laughs> sign. I'm, uh, it, realistically, 
probably three to four more. Um, okay. Most likely tackles and maybe a Juco thrown in there. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's what's next yeah. uh, as fans are waiting. They want to see. But Brendan, if they had five stud tackles, not going to be the know, way to come in. Know, they would take all. We know, we know what the it, it would is. be. It would be great at tackle if they could get a transfer, if they could get a Juco, if they could get a high school mm-hmm. kind of stack or depth chart with multiple years, guys that can help you today, guys that can help you tomorrow, guys that can help you down the road. Uh, I think that's how you go about rebuilding that position. Okay. That makes sense. So there was one other commitment in the last few days and guys, uh, basically since last month, since mid May, they've had what, six commitments. They mean, they've doubled their class size. It's now up to, 18th nationally uh, so they went from somewhere in the in the 40 range to, to 18 uh their average commit is still like a, about an 88 overall so value still are still finding like a good baseline for this class and i, I want to get your thoughts on the commitment from the weekend omarian cooper the four-star cornerback from uh, south florida he's 271st nationally and uh long arms high energy guy i thought that was a nice compliment to the other cornerbacks they've taken Nee, were you, uh, I guess, were you surprised that he popped when, when he did? Well, again, another kid that put out a top list just here recently, but I think a lot of those kids are finding that waiting and figuring out that top list really isn't worthwhile if they have a good idea of where they want to go. FSU beat out Louisville, Michigan, Penn State, South Carolina, and Texas form. 6'1", 181-pound cornerback. He was actually offered by the previous staff when he visited in late July for the uh, Seminole Showtime event. And then, obviously, he came back in January, met the new staff, got to know them a bit. He's dealt with Adam Fuller a good bit, Coach Woodson as well. I think he was just comfortable with FSU. I think it's pretty clear FSU is wanting to have a lot of defensive back bodies on the roster. I think that's for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I think that's a position where they want to up the competition, push it to be what it should be at FSU. That's a position at this school that should be one of the elite spots for FSU they can always rely upon. I think the other thing is having guys who are uber athletic, who can do a lot of things, who are long, lanky, physical, and fast is good for helping you in a lot of capacities of the game beyond simply defense. Obviously, on special teams is a big play. So I wasn't shocked by it. I think they are pretty close to filled up at corner. I think the goal moving forward, and Josh will probably touch on this, is more so safety. Uh, Chris getting ahead of himself a little bit on the script. Uh, nothing like it. Joshua. Any more cornerbacks in this class? Or are we looking exclusively at safeties for Florida State right now? In the in the time and space that we're talking right now, yeah, Florida State's done at quarterback. Am I going to say that they won't add another one between now and signing day? No, of course not. Uh, who knows how this thing will will shake out? Maybe one of the guys Florida State has will go, but also if there's a guy that FSU absolutely loves that they deem a playmaker, I can't see them turning him down. But like Chris said. The focus moves to safety, and the two local kids, Amari Harvey and Terry and Arnold, are the top priority moving forward. Um, I do think because Corey Collier is more of a safety, he's also in play. You know, he's a legacy recruit. Doesn't seem like he has a whole lot of interest in FSU right now, but I'm just going to put him out there. He should be on the radar. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Dink Jackson. Um, he's kind of a wild card. He's an athlete that is probably too small to play linebacker. Um, He's he, he's somewhere in between a safety and a linebacker. See how he does his senior year. FSU definitely is intrigued by him. Um, they're going to keep an eye on him. Dink Jackson has not set a new timetable for a decision. He originally was going to do it back in April, but all that's been delayed. Um, so I think the focus is more 
on safety moving forward, but don't rule out a big time corner, you know, adding it to the commit list late. All right. That's uh, that's what we have right now on the recent commitments. It's been a good, uh, I was going to say a week for Florida state, but, but really a good six weeks or so uh, or four weeks, even it's been about a month and, and change. So four to five weeks for Florida state, mm-hmm. they've really moved up the recruiting rank. It's been good. It's a nice baseline, a nice foundation for Florida state. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back. There's been some more recruiting developments in terms of filling out the 2021 class offers going out uh, as well as some attrition to the 2020 class. And, and a few more updates that we'll have as well. So, so stick with, with us, and we'll be right back after the break. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, we're back here on on the bench. Before we get into some of the developments with 2021 offers and, and kind of going through what FSU has remaining to, to fill needs, uh, there was a development. Chris Knee broke the story. I want to say yesterday, all, all times kind of blurred together, as we know, during all this. Uh, Chris, Manny Rogers, no longer part of FSU. Well, I guess he's still part of the signing class, but he's not going to make it to campus. You got the exclusive on that. Please uh, share the details on, on what happened with the four-star defensive tackle. Well, I made a phone call yesterday around noon, spoke to somebody very familiar with Manny's recruitment and how everything, all the moving parts of what he's dealing with. Um, that person informed me that Manny, in fact, did not qualify to get that this year. He won enroll at Hutchinson Community College in Hutchinson, Kansas. They also informed me that Hutchinson and FSU are working together on this. The two schools have con- had conversations. It's kind of an understanding of him going there and the expectation or the hope that he ultimately ends up at FSU down the road. Um, for Manny, the whole virtual school setting and the fact he had to make up some ground, it just was a very bad combo. He's a kid that I don't think has the best home life in the sense of making sure he's centered and focused on what he needs to accomplish. He's probably a guy that needs to walk in to the school setting on a daily basis to help him kind of try to finish strong and potentially make it. And that obviously didn't happen with everything shut down since March. Um, at Hutchinson, the hope is that he's there as short as possible, gets qualified, gets back to FSU. You know, I don't want to set a timeline on that. It could be basically a year. It could be 18 months where we see him in January of 2021. Um, you know, the hope is the sooner the better. FSU's going to stay in contact with him. Odell still wants him as a defensive tackle. I also confirmed that during the conversation. The head coach at Hutchinson Community College is Drew Dallas. From what I understand, he and the people at Jensen Beach, where Emmanuel Manny is coming from, um, they have a good understanding. Manny's actually going there with another teammate, from what I understand. And the understanding is that we're all trying to work, be on the same page, and hopefully get this thing right for Manny and get him into a four-year school as quick as possible down the road. 
obviously a disappointment. From what I understand, FSU knew he had academic issues. They had hopes he would make it. Obviously, the situation changed with everything shut down in March. Here we are, and he's not going to be able to make it. Tough break because I got a, did, I, oh sorry I got go ahead Josh for Chris. Um, when we covered the Jimbo staff, we knew that if a signee went to JUCO, what there was maybe a ten percent, twenty percent chance was, he was going to return to Florida far State. Gone. We never really got to see it with Willie Taggart, mm-hmm. Mike Norvell. What do you? What are your impressions on how he's going to handle JUCOs and, and bounce backs like this? I think you do it on a player by player basis. I mean, the last guys I really remember as you placing and getting back for sure was what amp mcleod and deborah smiley would mm-hmm. that be right is there any jucos you can think of that fsu helped place and then no i that? think we went back and reviewed this during the shavar man when shavar went to juco and you and i were saying you know hey we don't think he's gonna ever be at florida state i think we did look back and just over the history because that was during the jimbo years but I think we did look back at the history, and there was literally two guys, and neither of them made an impact at FSU. Um, but I get the impression that Mike Norvell oh, no. and this staff are more familiar with the JUCO players, right? And, and Dion, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also think this is an individual situation where Odell Higgins loves this kid. Mm-hmm. Odell thought very highly of this kid, thought he was arguably the best defensive tackle last year, certainly the best one they could attain. And I think he's a kid that Odell has somewhat of a connection with in the sense of right. wanting to see this through and helping him improve things because it is important for this kid to get out of the JUCO system and get into a four-year and continue to advance and hopefully make something of himself, making the situation better than what yeah. he's coming out of. I don't want to take a deep dive on what he's coming out of, but it certainly wasn't a situation that was built to help him you know, move forward and attain a right. better status than he currently has. And let's be honest, I think FSU needs to have patience here for two reasons. One, it's such a position to need. FSU's desperate for talent there. And two, Manny Rogers played offensive line, defensive line. He, 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 he was a, a big physical body, but he wasn't ready to come in and play anyway. Yes, it's, it's more risky if he's at JUCO that he's going to develop into a, a player for FSU. But he was going to take that year or two of development anyway. So. Here we are, not ideal. Hopefully Manny Rogers gets it done and returns to Florida State in about a year or two. That's what I was going to say. The impact to me wasn't so much this year. It's more long-term because Mm -hmm. Manny wasn't probably a plug-and-play guy. Your depth at defensive tackle already appears to be really good. And Manny just as build needed time to to put on good weight and and turn – turned some you know fat into muscle basically needed time in that strength and conditioning program that's what probably hurts him the most uh, under the assumption that you do get him back to florida state mm-hmm. it does make the fabian love it edition even bigger though yeah, it okay. does it does help out people are worried about that position i don't know necessarily that they need to be worried i understand some concern obviously they got big three that they have a chance of losing all three after this year the addition of love it alleviates some of that going forward you also have guys like dennis briggs malcolm ray you're hoping at least one if not both of those developing something that's going to help you at the spot you know true thompson's a dependable body at the position you know so i I don't think it's a lost cause obviously they need to add some bodies but i don't think it's one of these where there's going to be a cliff dive after this coming Mm -hmm. season as long as one of those guys like a briggs or a ray starts to turn that corner and show the potential of what they recruited them to be at that position Josh, do you have any updates on Shavar Manuel? Someone on the message board was asking. No, 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 I don't. 
I don't joke about Shavar as much as other people do. I'm oh, sorry. It's I not know funny the situation he came. No, it's just I know the situation he came from. I know the things that he's been through. And I think if if everybody knew the things that he's been through, I don't think I don't think anybody would be laughing about Shavar. Yeah, it's not good for those kind of kids who have had little to no guidance, certainly no help, and aren't in a very good position to go to JUCO. And Juco get swept up into all the hype of college football and the fans, and you know, everybody wants to reach out for him for different reasons. But you know, at the end of the day, some of these kids are just that kids. I was trying to be light, light-hearted. I know you were. I wasn't. I know to, you were. To get I don't. I don't. It wasn't that deep. I mean, every time I see it on the message board, either. But I just, you know. People are listening, so I figured I'd... I got you. All right, well, another... Since we're talking, since we kind of transitioned from something that was a little deeper than intended to, to another more serious topic, and, and this was... Basically, I want to get your thoughts, weighing in on Marvin Wilson's comments from the Packer and Durham show on Monday. I think that kind of closes the book on what was a really hectic uh, day last Thursday, and then, you know, that, that was the end of it, in my mind, at least for now. Uh, Marvin Wilson went on the... ACC Network show on Monday kind of explained that at least to me I want to set the scene for you guys get your thoughts but Marv essentially explains that his tweet about Coach Norvell's comments the athletic he wasn't acting alone that there was a dialogue with teammates I thought that was important that that he was basically asked to voice something or that someone was asked to and Marv stepped up so there was at least a group thread with several players talking he went into detail about the conversations that he and Norvell had pre-team meeting before that meeting around 9 a.m on a on thursday morning i know there are rumors of a boycott and they were overblown because it didn't happen but but i do believe that marv was influential in making sure the entire team was there and that kind of stemmed from the conversation that he described as as being really productive with the one-on-one that him and mike norvell had on that thursday morning before the meeting And, and the big comment was afterwards that marvin wilson felt the team was closer together now after going through this i don't know that maybe to me it feels too early to tell and i think that trust is something that clearly takes time to build up but but norvell's response and the way he handled things and, and the way that there was an open dialogue between the team and him uh stand out as a positive to me josh your thoughts on on marv's comments i agree with you man i think um sometimes there's a little friction to get to where you want to be um i think everybody agrees on all sides of it that you know, things could have been handled better, but at the end of the day, the results are what matters. And I believe what I'm hearing from this team, I do believe that they're closer because they've been talking so much more. And a lot of times, all that you need is some good, solid communication. Everybody finds out, you know, where everybody stands on everything. What What is these things that you're frustrated about? How can we fix them? And I think a lot of that frustration comes from not having a plan. And at this point, FSU is moving forward with a plan. Yeah, I think it's good that FSU kind of opened the arms and took it they did it you know they they spoke about it they're open about it they're comfortable with it there's not an eggshell situation going on at florida state which is going on at a lot of universities right now i think that's a good thing for fsu long term i think it's a good thing for the team especially a team that's having to learn their new head coach and get more comfort with him and get more used to him i think it's a situation now that if it came up in a similar fashion today it would be handled differently than it was handled last thursday because i think this team's on a different place as a group and that's probably a good thing long-term. I think the something to establish and to at least note here is that the way Norvell wants to handle things internally, if a player has an issue, go to your position coach. Position coach then goes to him, and then all of you talk together. So everyone's on the same page. You're having this dialogue as it goes. 
And my understanding is that during the team meeting, the way things developed was Norvell kind of talked to the team and then had the players go into their position groups, talk with their position coaches and go back through him. And, and that, I mean, it was a long meeting. I think it was over an hour, uh, but, but it was broken up into groups and uh, guys were able to kind of flesh things out a little bit before going back and talking in the full entire team picture. So to me, that was interesting. And that's something I think he wants his program to do consistently. And he tried to use all of this as uh, a learning experience of like how productively to, to go through things and the way he views it at the same time, Marvin Wilson talked about this. I mean, I mean, Norvell was vulnerable. Uh, he apologized, he was contrite. And so it worked out well because of largely the way Norvell took responsibility. So I think that helps develop some trust and some credibility with your players when, when you do it, when you handle it the way he did. Yeah, I think the fact that Wilson, the players, Norvell, the program as a whole has kind of leaned into it instead of running from it, mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. I, 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 gonna, I think if I was, you tried to bury it and move on, that at some point it festers again and it comes up again and it goes back to it and it's, oh, no, not again. I think in this situation, the wall's kind of been kicked down. It is what it is. It wasn't a fun 24-hour period the day it all happened, obviously. But I think long-term, it's actually beneficial for them. I think players feeling more comfortable about the setting they're in is a good thing for FSU and for those players and for the development of a program under a new head coach. Definitely. It's a good point, Chris, uh, because FSU in the in recent days has prompted players or encouraged players, allowed them to express their voice through social media. We saw Jaden Lars Woodby's uh, four-minute-long video. We saw Cam McDonald put out a statement. We saw players with the Black Lives Matter graphics uh, and, and you know uh, the jersey edit or, or whatnot. So, yeah, they've, they've leaned into it and said, this is how do you guys want to present yourselves? Uh, how do you want to get your message across? We'll be a part of that and, and helping you do that and using the platform that Florida State offers to do that. That's, to me, in my mind, largely, almost entirely beneficial, and that's a really good place to, to work from uh, as you build trust with the team and, and help players in that regard. Uh, kind of transitioning here. Michael Trigg, tight end. Chris, do you want to have an update? Yeah, he's the one bit of fallout we've kind of seen from the Marvin Wilson Norvell situation in recent days. Trigg, uh, he read the TMZ article. He took to his Instagram and had an emoji of head and hands regarding it and clearly was, you know, upset or at least not happy with reading that. He went from having a top 20 to a top 10. FSU was not included in that top 10. From what we understand, that was. Somewhat a surprise to Florida State. They felt like they were in a good position. I certainly felt like they were in a good position. Adam Christopher Ball to you before all these events. From what we know, from what Steve Wiltfong has reported for us as a network, FSU, the coaching staff, and Trigger are set to speak at some point. I'm not sure if it happened yesterday. I reached out to Trig yesterday, did not hear back, or if it's going to happen in the coming days. But we're hoping to get a little feedback on how that goes. I don't think FSU is going to wait and completely put all their eggs in that basket as they definitely want two tight ends in this class, if not more. We saw them, obviously, they have a commitment from Jackson West. Already got that. Aaron Elk from Arkansas is now a guy that they're heavily involved with. Uh, Steve Wilfong went as far as putting a crystal ball in for FSU. I think that's an FSU-Arkansas battle. I currently have a crystal ball in Arkansas, but I certainly think it's a battle. And then yesterday we saw him offer two guys. They weren't new faces necessarily. River Helms, a guy that we wrote about back in April. He's a kid from Alabama. They like a lot. He's very good on film, very athletic kid, gets on the field, does a good job getting the ball. 
and then Jalen Sheed from Olive Branch, Mississippi. I didn't have as much familiarity with Sheed, but in speaking with him yesterday, he co- told me that Coach Thompson, Chris Thompson, tight ends coach, had been in regular contact with him. They've spoken a lot. He's had a long-term relationship. Sheed also kind of told me that basically Thompson was up front with him that, hey, we kind of have our tight end board organized and we're focused on these guys. I like it, but I'm not ready to offer you. I think the trig dynamic has changed the fact that they're now willing to offer him. They're both fairly open, Helms and Sheed. Helms definitely likes FSU. He's told me before he offered, he wanted to be his first visit after things opened back up. That's still the case. With Sheed, he's kind of a little bit more in a research FSU point of time. Louisville, Old Miss, some other big ones have recently come into that. He told me he's a bit more open wanting to take some visits now that his recruitment has blown up a little bit more. Um, I think it just demonstrates the fact that one, this staff isn't one to get stuck without having a plan B or C in situations. I think they're certainly going to still recruit Michael Trigg. He's one of the best offensive players they had a shot at in this class as of a week ago. Um, but I think they're certainly not solely going to recruit Michael Trigg. I think, you know, if a guy like River Helms is ready to jump in, they're not going to say no. I think that's the same case for Outley and Sheed. All right, there was one offer that went out, another offer that went out on Monday that was from three-star running back out of Louisiana, and he's a Louisiana Tech commitment. Katravion Hargrove, Chris, you wrote that story. Or no, Josh, you wrote about it. So Josh I'll ask, it. Yeah, Josh, I'll ask, I'll ask you real quick to, to give a recap on, on him. It sounds like it's a Coach Yak special. Yeah, committed a lot of Tech out of the Louisiana area. Um, shifty back about 5'11", 175, 180. Don't know too much about him right now, but, you know, Florida State looking for some offensive weapons. Um, watch his highlight tape. He's definitely got some wiggle and some speed. I can see where they like him. Um, Chris, you reached out to him. We, we confirmed that Yak had uh, been in touch. Has he ever visited Florida State? He has not visited. He said that they had a lot of good talk when I spoke yesterday. Mm-hmm. I asked him if Yak was direct about how many backs they want in this class or what they're looking for in a back in this class or if he, you know, kind of we're recruiting you because you fit exactly what we want at that position. He didn't really get into specifics about that. He did say that they did not talk about how many backs in this class. Um, he wasn't real talkative. He wasn't super in depth. Like I had a lot more conversation with the two tight ends yesterday as compared to the back. I like his highlights a lot. And I guess it's easy for running backs highlights to, to look good, but he averaged like seven and a half per carry last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a good looking back. Uh, really a lot of, like Josh said, a lot of wiggle to him. Uh, twitchy. I don't know about the deep speed well, you know, like the home run speed, but everything else seems like it's there. So yeah, he seems like someone who's maybe a little under create or under, uh, under-recruited and underrated, uh, both in the ranking and where his offer list is. So that, uh, I like that. I, I, said this, I said this yesterday, even before the offer. I don't have a great feel for the running back board. I'm not sure exactly how many I want, exactly what they're looking for. And I think some of that's just how Yak recruits. I don't, I don't think he's in a rush to get a guy. They obviously signed a lot at that position last year. Mm-hmm. I think this year it's more about finding the one or two high-quality guys that fit what they want to add to that position. Last year was clearly about numbers and diversity with the type of backs you're getting. And now you kind of evaluate when they're all there with pads on and, and get an idea. Like who knows? Jay Sean Corbin could be an elite running back or borderline elite. He could be just a change of pace guy. He'll contribute this year and probably be decent, but we don't know exactly what he is. So yeah, there's a lot of variables still at that position. Josh, the Jared Williams saga over at long last. Came to an end. Yes. Are you um, sad? Odd. Yeah. <laughs> on Sunday, I got a, I got a, I was informed that it was going to be my, 
Miami. I'm sorry, on Friday. I don't know what day I just said. But on Friday, I was informed it was going to be Miami and it was probably going to be on Saturday. Do you, do you even know what day it is today? No. He ended up putting out his commitment, I think, on Sunday. And it was to Miami as expected. Um, long, drawn-out recruitment. I don't – it probably went about three weeks too long. But it came to an end and Jared Williams is headed to Miami. Now, just to follow up on that, that was the last – portal offensive tag hole prospect that FSU was active with. Um, prior to that, FSU did their due diligence on the two tackles from Iowa and one from Delaware State. We reported two weeks ago on Knowles 24-7 that FSU was not going to pursue those two, those three. Um, to my knowledge, FSU is not active with any portal prospects yet, mainly because there's just not any in there that, that could contribute at FSU. Um, and also they're kind of up against it. Um, wanted to follow up here with the Manny Rogers news, Manny Rogers going to Juco does not free up a 25 scholarship automatically because he signed with FSU. Um, the, the Knowles will have to file a waiver with the NCAA to see if they could get that scholarship back. And I was told that they probably wouldn't find out about that until probably September. So at this point, we're 85 scholarships. I believe we're right at 85 total scholarships. And we're still at 25 scholarships for 2020. So at this point, um, no offensive tackles involved. And I'm not quite sure they would even have room for an offensive tackle if they were involved with one. Okay, that's good to know. Quick rundown on that. And, and, you know, that could change week to week, but it's where it stands as of today. I'm sure listeners are thrilled to hear no more offensive tackles likely being added to this class. And if it changes, they're going to tell, yeah. tell, uh, tell you that you lied to them too. <laughs> no, no, they'll forget everything. If FSU lands an offensive tackle right now, there's they'll be not happy. Josh, yeah, they'll, they'll just be happy. Bad. Josh lied. If they got an offensive tackle, <laughs> right. they won't, they won't <laughs> care how many lies were told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine FSU lands an impact offensive tackle transfer. And the first reaction is to be mad at me about it. Nah, I don't think so. Okay. Are you new? Are you new here? <laughs> <laughs> the last topic i had and it's a little stale at this point but we just haven't had the podcast since it since it happened luke altmeyer picks up an alabama offer now he's someone that we're expecting to see a bump whenever the new batch of recruiting rankings are out when is that going to be chris this month it's right? usually around it's around mid-month yeah it's i'm presuming it'll probably be about a week from right now so I know there was some insecurity with the fan base with like the old Miss rumors a couple of weeks ago that, that I think Luke more or less shot down. You look at his Twitter, it's all FSU right now, but Alabama comes offers uh, that obviously resonates. What do your guys feel on that? I, I know I get messages from, from listeners and, and fans who are uh, a little anxious over that. And I, I guess I can understand why. Okay. Good talk. Just kidding. I thought Josh would go first. I mean, it's Alabama. You never discount him entirely. I think he probably ends up on their campus at some point for at least a visit, somewhat as a courtesy to the offer, but you just don't discount Alabama. At this point, it's not like Alabama's recruiting a ton of quarterbacks a year, so it's pretty clear that they are focused on guys they really, really want. One of those obviously came off the board just before they offered Luke, which led to the offer to Luke. That all being said, Luke has been consistent at being firm to FSU. He's an active recruiter for Tribe, Tribe 21. He's a guy that's active with the coaches. He stays in regular contact with Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norville. I don't think it's something that should be, you know, ultra concerning at this point. I just, at the same time, you don't dismiss Alabama. 
And to follow up on that, Kenny Dillingham is super active with Altmaier. Um, there's no, you know, he's while he's committed, it's not like, oh, okay, Luke Altmaier's committed. I'm just going to leave him over here and, you know, we'll see him in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kenny Dillingham is all over him. They know Alabama's sniffing around. He's a good quarterback. They know he might go visit Alabama. They know the fight's not over and they're going to keep, um, keep keeping in contact with Altmaier and keeping him engaged and just keep recruiting him. The ranking bump on him is way overdue, by the way. I don't, I've never understood 247's ranking on him. I think we've been clear about that on a board. I think he's a yeah. top 10, 12 pro style guy without a shadow of a doubt, which means he's a top 247 type quarterback. I think that's where we see him land. He was in the article they did after their phone conference regarding quarterbacks and rankings. So it's clear that they definitely intend to move him up. We'll see just how drastically that move is done. Yeah, I'm surprised that it's taken as long as it has to. And I know our evaluation method has been a little bit different than in years past where they kind of focused on a certain position group or whatnot. But uh, yeah, everything that you want to see from a quarterback is is clearly there. Uh, anyways, last topic, guys. Final, uh, or, or let, let me phrase it this way. Next commitment, who do you have? Who's next to pop for Florida State? Since we're on a roll here, since we're on a flow. Hmm. I think Andrew Jones is sticking to the end of the month still. So I feel like someone happens between now and then. Payson has never given a date. He's been actually quite elusive to get a hold of recently. I don't think Keon Coleman does anything until he takes some visits. Maybe River Helms. I don't think it's far fetched. I do think he wants to take some visits. But I know that FSU offered carried some major weight with him yesterday. So. I don't know. I mean, there's a few guys that they're definitely in a good spot with, but I think Helms could be kind of the one that slipped in the picture here in the last couple of days officially. Those are all likely names. I'll, I'll say that it's going to be a 2022 recruit. I think we're due for one of those. All right. I'm going to go Charles Cross. For Josh <laughs> Newberg and Chris Nee, this is Brendan Sinone with On the Bench. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Need to work, huh? <laughs> MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.